Lynn, this is the final episode in our summer series on the seven anxiety disruptors for families that are the core of your practice. Why don't we go back and talk about what this whole series, what I'm trying to say is. I'm not sure I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. I was like, wait, somebody's reading my mind. Yeah. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about how to manage those tricky emotions that show up in all families. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to do and what to say. Okay, Lynn, today is our final episode in a seven-part series on the anxiety disruptors that you prescribe to families in your practice, and they're sort of the core principle of your work. Yeah. So tell us about number seven, but I think also go back a little bit and tell us when you combine all seven steps here, what is this? Step number seven, puzzle piece number seven is actually the combining of everything that I've talked about so far. What this is, big picture, is this is the way that I want families to deal with worry and uncertainty and anxiety when it shows up. The thing about the work that I do, and I say this all the time, is that it's the same when I'm talking about prevention and treatment. If you are listening to this and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, we don't have an anxiety disorder in our family, or you're listening to this and saying, oh, we've got five anxiety disorders in our family. This is about developing the skills of emotional management. This is about figuring out what to do when life throws you curves, when you're stepping into new situations, when you have to handle things that feel difficult, when you're trying to learn how to manage your emotions. The big picture of this is how do we help our kids develop the skills, the tools, the overall strategy for dealing with life's uncertainties because they're not going to go away. Can I just point out that now having done this podcast with you for a few years, the parents who embark on this often find that they're learning this stuff for the first time too, though. Mm -hmm. So it's not really just about the kids. I think in my opinion, the family learns to do this as a unit together. Well, because it's all about modeling, right? There's so much modeling going on. So if you're not very good at handling uncertainty, if you have big emotional reactions when things don't go as planned, when you're spending all of your time trying to control the outcome of a trip or a practice or a meal or a morning, You're showing your kids that uncertainty is something to be controlled or avoided or scared of. And so you can't really show your kids how to do all these things if you're not doing them yourself, right? I mean, and that's just the nature of parenting. That's why when we talk about helping kids manage what life throws at them, you can't do it for your kids if you don't know how to do it for yourself. That's just a basic premise of the work I do which is why I say all the time, you're probably sick of hearing it. 
It's why I don't see kids alone in my practice because parents need the information. They're the teachers. They're the role models for sure. Yeah. You can listen to this series and think, okay, so this is what I have to do for myself. And you can also listen to this series and think this is what I have to do to help teach my children, but it's all connected. It's all connected. This reminds me of an episode we did, I think in season three on if you are an avid listener of this, if you are a reader of your books, if you are someone who has done a lot of therapy and works on emotional management, and that's really the goal. We had an episode called, what is the ultimate goal of this? Mm -hmm. Where are we all headed? And it's like having a black belt in emotional management. Right. And this is what goes back to what you said in a few minutes ago. This transcends the concept of worry and is applicable to all emotions. Right. And we talked about this also in another episode about Inside Out, the movie, the Pixar movie. That I have watched. Yes, you finally watched. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. But anxiety is not one emotion. It is, in fact, an umbrella that could involve many emotions, including anger. Right. And the thing to remember, too, is that if we talk about this from a clinical perspective, Anxiety is usually what shows up first. So if we're just looking at the mental health, if we're looking at sort of the way this thing plays out, anxiety is the number one reason that parents bring their children to a mental health provider. And it's what shows up first and is the gateway to a lot of other issues. So since we know it's so common, because it's a normal part of being a human being, since we know it shows up early, then we know how connected it is to depression, how connected it is to substance use, how connected it is to anger, how connected it is to social isolation, how connected it is. It just sort of sets the stage for a lot of different things. We want to get ahead of this or we want to deal with it when it shows up. We don't want to take the attitude that we're trying to get rid of it because it's going to show up. But teaching your kids how to tolerate uncertainty, how to manage their emotions, how to step into things that feel uncomfortable is a really great skill that is preventative for so many other issues. It really is. Yeah. I'm so motivated now. Tell us about number seven. Let's do this. All right. So number seven is really sort of the bringing it all together. And it's about taking action. How do we put all of this in place? Because a lot of times when people learn about these things, it sounds sort of, okay, that sounds good. It sounds great. And now I've got to put all of these things together. Number seven, it's called take action on your plan. And it has to do with being consistent. It has to do with setting a goal and following through. And a big part of this last step, take action on your plan, is really being able to consistently say to you and to your family, we're going to work on this piece by piece, step by step. Number seven isn't really something in and of itself. It's really sort of a commitment to consistently incorporate this into the way that you parent, the way you talk to your kids. And it's an embracing of this idea that we are developing skills over time. It's about keeping the eye on the prize and keeping the big picture. There is nothing more important than having a process-oriented mindset as you're doing all of the things that we've talked about in the last six episodes. 
how can you focus on the actions you will take, the consistent steps and conversations that you will have with your kids? Because I want you to think about this. You are a family who, right? You are a family who. Think about that and think about how you would answer that question. We are a family who works together to manage our emotions. We are a family who steps into uncertainty. We are a family who recognizes the importance of tolerating uncertainty. And then think about how you're going to take everything that we've talked about and come up with a plan. It should be written down. I propose that all of you who are listening now who have listened to the last six steps, that you take out a piece of paper and you right now write down, these are the skills that my family is going to work on in order to manage uncertainty, in order to tolerate our worry, in order to communicate about our feelings. What are the skills that you're going to work on? And write those down. And I will happily give you a list of those skills right now if you want them. Let's hear more of that after we come back from our break. Do you think seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist would be helpful, but you don't have the time to actually find one? And then, like, when do you have time to meet with them? Try Talkspace. By doing everything online, Talkspace has made getting the help you want easy, accessible, and affordable. It's in network with most major insurers. There's no need to commute to appointments. You won't miss time at work or have to line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace lets you send messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. Therapy can help you shift your perspective and find tools to cope in difficult times. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform with licensed therapists in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues, and much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. How are those New Year's resolutions going? Well, many are destined to fail, but lucky for you, here's one easy resolution idea that we gave you that we can all make and it will make your life easier. It'll be kinder to our planet and it will transform the way you do laundry in 2024. And that is switching to EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze looks like dryer sheets, but it's ultra concentrated laundry detergent and it couldn't be easier. You just throw a sheet in with your laundry in any temperature and you watch it dissolve in any wash cycle hot or cold. There's no measuring, there's no mess, there's no fuss, there's no wasteful plastic jug. EarthBreeze fights everyday stains and odors, giving you an amazing clean every time. The best part is you'll never run out again thanks to EarthBreeze flexible subscription that you can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties. And you'll save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Shipping's always free and it comes in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. So switching to EarthBreeze won't only make laundry day easier for you, but it will also be easier on the planet. So help me make plastic jugs a thing of the past. And if EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. Just let them know it's not for you and you'll get a full refund, no questions asked. Get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks. That's earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks for 40% off your subscription. 
Okay, let's get back to this conversation. I have a question though. Okay. When you led that, it made me think that so many families could hear the goal of we're a family who Mm -hmm. does these things. But the real crux is families do things that are counter to this. Mm -hmm. And if they haven't identified what they do that is moving away from this direction, how do they change? Like they have to know what they aren't doing. Right. So we are a family who, so you set that goal. That's a big picture goal. You can have two columns if you want. Do this as a little exercise. We are a family who wants to blank. These are the things we do that get in the way. So you take a little inventory of that. So we seek certainty. I try and control outcomes. I talk too much. I need to talk 85% less. I have difficulty allowing my child to feel distress. I punish when my children don't do what I want them to do. Take a little inventory, not in a harsh, critical way, but just in a, these are the things that get in the way. Let me give you an example. If we're talking about, you know, what you want, and now you're going to think about what your goal is and how you're going to get there. So the first thing you might do is you might make a list of the things that kind of get in the way or the patterns that you've recognized as you've listened to all these other six puzzle pieces. So let's take it out of the anxiety realm. Say you're a family and you've taken into your house two dogs, two rescue dogs. And both times that you've done that, it's really not gone well. And maybe you still have these dogs in your house or maybe you've actually had to surrender them. You say, we want to be a family who has a wonderful dog in the house. And so you make a list of what are the things that you did that twice now you've gotten into this situation where sadly the dog hasn't worked out and you've had to return the dog or you've just gotten a dog that you're not really connecting with. And you begin to look at it. How was your decision making when you adopted the dog? Did you think about it? Did you look at other options? Were you impulsive? Did you ignore red flags? Once you got the dog home, who was committed to being consistent with the dog? Did you follow some instructions about how to train the dog so that it would not go to the bathroom in the house? Did people follow through on their commitments to take care of the dog or is somebody taking care of the dog all the time and feeling resentful? So you begin to look and say, so where, what patterns did we fall into and what have we been doing repetitively? Now you're going to get this third dog and you're going to write down, if you want to be a family who has a well-behaved dog who's a great part of the family, what are the things that you're going to do differently? Wouldn't you say that a lot of families that you work with, I mean, the skill of writing what went wrong with dogs one and two, Mm -hmm. that's actually like a skill not everybody has. Correct. Say you just listened to a six-part series about how to have a good dog. I would hope that while you're listening to that, there's some light bulbs going off in your head. Like, ooh, geez, they said we're supposed to take the dog out? Gosh, we thought that the dog only had to go out once a day. I guess the dog has to go out six times a day, right? Oh, geez, we got a border collie and we live in a studio apartment and we work all day. No wonder we came home and the couch was ripped up. Being able to listen to what I've talked about and then being able to identify what were you missing. And one way to think about that is is you're listening to the other six episodes. What were the aha moments that you had? What were the moments where you were like, oh, or geez, I never knew that. And just pay attention to that. 
you don't make this list as a way to beat yourself up. You don't make this list as a way to feel overly self-critical, but you make this list as a way to say, this is what I've learned. This is what I know now. And these are the things that were sort of getting in the way of that. And then you make the list of what are the things that you're going to do differently. Here's the key about that second list. It should not have 25 things on it. If you have a list of what you're going to do differently as you're putting these plans into place, if that list has three things, if that list has two things that you're really going to do differently, that's awesome. Don't get overwhelmed with this big, huge, long list of all the things you have to change. And if I had to prioritize what are the things I want you to have on that list as you take action on your plan, it's that you are going to talk about how worry shows up and you are going to look for opportunities to step into uncertainty and then be able to, as a family, talk about how you handled the uncertainty when it showed up. I'd like to interject because this is reminding me of a conversation I had recently. If you are someone who has a list of 25 steps, hypothetically, mm -hmm. it's quite likely that you're still in the content mm -hmm. and need to step and go a little more meta and look at the patterns instead of the content mm -hmm. and to go back and listen again. Yes, but you're exactly right. When people have that list, they're weighing the content, right? And they're trying to control the outcome and make sure that they cover every detail, right? So they're, they're two in the details. They're two in the minutia. And I want to get them to pull back. So what I will have people do is come up with a typical worry-causing scenario. Now, what you will notice, if you listen to this podcast for a while, what you will notice is that I use analogies all the time. Because it is often easier for people to look at something when the content doesn't directly relate to them. So pick a worry-creating scenario that maybe is not a real hot button for your family. Maybe it's a worry-creating scenario that you guys or you as a parent or your kids don't even worry about. And then go through the puzzle pieces how you would give advice to somebody about handling that worry-creating scenario as simply as possible, but not using your content. Like we'll take a family trip that involves a lot of logistical complications that would make families who are afraid of flying and other things very nervous. We're about to go in an open-air helicopter. Can't wait. For real. Okay. Great. Okay, so some people are listening or they're like, they're about to do what? Yeah. What's an open air helicopter? No doors. Oh. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. We're about to take a helicopter ride with the doors off. <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> I was like, is it a convertible helicopter? Where are the rotors? How does that work? Yeah. Okay. Don't stand up, everybody. <laughs> stay seated. Above all, stay seated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one. We're about to take a doors-off helicopter ride later this summer. Okay. A doors-off helicopter ride. Okay. You're excited about that. That doesn't make you worry. Okay. So we walk through the puzzle pieces. So the first thing we're going to say is, yeah, this is a new experience. We've never done this before. So we're going to expect worry to show up. Because worry is going to have a lot to say about this. We can practice what do you think worry is going to say. When we talk to the worry, that's the next step. This is where we're going to stay out of the content. So I can imagine in a situation like this, 
people are going to get way pulled into the content. They're going to want to say, oh, it's safe and nothing bad will happen. And what are the odds, right? They want to get way into the content. So you want to say, of course, worry is going to show up. You can say, remember, sometimes you can say one content-based reassurance thing. There's no doors on the helicopter. We're all going to wear our seatbelts, just like you wear a seatbelt on an airplane, right? You can throw that out there. And then what is worry going to say? And you talk about what you think worry is going to say and then how you're going to respond to it. Oh, of course you're going to worry about this worry because we've never done this before. Then you're going to talk about doing a little, if somebody's really nervous, how you're going to use your breath just a little bit as the trip gets started to just let your nervous system know that you're doing this, right? We use the breath to support you. We're going to, this is certainly an experience that we could say, well, do something that makes you unsure and uncomfortable on purpose. If you're nervous about getting into a helicopter, that fits the bill. So we're going to look at it as an opportunity because remember, we want worry to show up. That's the paradoxical nature of this. We want worry to show up. So of course, worry is going to show up. So we ha, we're going to have a good opportunity to deal with this new experience, right? You have to have a want to. If you're going on this open door helicopter, Robin, why are you doing it? What's the reason you're doing it? To have a, an incredible view of beautiful things. So that's the want to. Yeah. Right? So the want to is we want to see things from a different perspective. We want to take something in that's really going to be spectacular. We want this opportunity to do something we've never done before. So there's the want to. It's fun when a family does something new together. I think that's a very connecting experience. Yeah. So there's all sorts of reasons to do this. And then the puzzle piece of being able to connect to your past successes, because remember, anxiety wants us to be amnesic to our successes. So in your family, you might also say, if somebody's nervous about this or worried about this, remember the last time we did that experience we had never done before? right? Remember the time that we did this as a family? Oh my gosh, we have that memory. Remember the time we did this? Remember the time we did this? So you want to connect back to that. So you're creating a bigger picture of this, this idea of we're a family who tries new and exciting things because we have all these great experiences that we now have as a family. And then the last puzzle piece, of course, is take action on your plan, which is what we're doing right now. You have made the reservations, you're going to take this helicopter ride, and you're going to practice all of these puzzle pieces as a way to create this amazing experience. So that's how this works over time. Does that have to be a 20-minute conversation? No, we just did it in a few minutes. So you want to just become conversant in moving through these puzzle pieces, how they work together how we approach new things, how we approach uncertainty, how we approach things that feel exciting and a little intimidating, talking through a situation like this in a relatively short period of time, maybe writing something down for yourself, reminders of what you're going to say, reminders of how you're going to handle it, maybe even reminders of what you're going to say instead of what you're not going to say. Being able to over and over and over again, look for opportunities to step in and use this experience. Now, that's a pretty big deal, like going on a helicopter ride, but it also may be going to soccer practice. When I think of my friends who are really working on their anxiety management, 
it's not something like going on a helicopter ride necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's often going to be things where it's about being uncomfortable with other people in different scenarios. Mm-hmm. That's far more common mm-hmm. where we're controlling outcomes and avoiding and all of that because we want everyone to be comfortable about who we're with. So what's an example of that? So let me just say one thing before I do that. If you have somebody who has a lot of social anxiety, which is super common, it still is helpful to use an example like going up in a helicopter with no doors as a way to walk through the puzzle pieces. Because you could even say, we're not going to go in a helicopter without any doors. So let's talk about the puzzle pieces. They may be more willing to do that. And then you can say, okay, so Nona, how would we apply that to our regular situation? You have to go and talk to your school counselor about starting your college preparation plans, right? So those of you who are dealing with kids that are starting junior year, right? Everybody's like junior year. Uh, You've got a high school kid who's starting 11th grade and they've got to have a meeting with their school counselor and they're feeling really self-conscious about that, right? Much more normal thing. Or they're going to have to walk into a new school. They're starting a new college. So you can say, okay, so we just talked about the helicopter. Now, how would we apply that? to starting third grade. How would we apply that to the fact that you've got to go get a cavity filled? How would we apply that to a fact that you're going to join a soccer team this fall? So you can use the same thing. So here's what that would sound like. Okay, so you're starting a new school this year. You're starting middle school. You're going into sixth grade. Okay, are we going to expect Worry to show up? Sure. What's Worry going to say? You know, we've named Worry. Worry is named Stella. Worry's going to say, ah, this is new. Now, of course, we know already that Worry hates anything new. So of course, Stella is going to show up because it's different. It's not what you're used to. What are we going to say back to Stella? This is where you want to stay out of the content, of course, because the absolute instinctive response is to say, oh, but the school is so nice and we're going to go for 10 visits ahead of time. And you want to say, of course, it's going to show up. What do you want to say back to Stella? Stella, This is an opportunity for me to respond to you in a different way. And it is okay if I feel uncomfortable. This is an opportunity for me to feel uncomfortable and feel unsure on purpose. Why? Because when you start middle school, you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel unsure. You're going to not know exactly how it's going to work. So fantastic. So when Stella shows up, what is she going to do? She's going to go catastrophic. She's going to have you imagine all these worst case scenarios. She's going to make you believe that you can't talk to people. When Stella shows up and starts doing her thing, remember, she's repetitive, she's predictable, and she's persistent. Your response is going to be, oh, I knew you were going to say that, and we're going to create a little distance. Maybe when you're riding the bus to your first day at middle school, you're going to practice some breathing so that you're going to get your feet back under you. The breathing doesn't get rid of the worry but it allows your body and your nervous system to get a little rejiggered, which is a good thing. So you might practice that. We may set up a game that every time you talk to somebody or say hello to somebody on your first week in middle school, that I'm going to have this big bag of Tootsie Rolls or, you know, I mean, and it can be something silly. Even middle school kids love something silly. You come home, we're going to load you up with that stuff. So we're going to have a little bit of a reward system. What is the want to that you want? You want to be able to talk to people and to have fun with friends. You don't have to have a gazillion friends, but you want to be able to go into middle school and participate in things. That's a wonderful goal to have. That's my goal for you as well. 
So we're going to keep that goal front and center. And we're going to take action on this. In the morning, as you're getting ready for school, we may say, hello, Stella, or nice to see you again. What are you up to today, Stella? Oh, that same old thing. And we're going to talk about how you are consistently handling things that feel unsure and uncomfortable. Setting that up ahead of time, having that conversation, again, that can happen in five minutes, doesn't have to happen in 30 minutes, talk 85% less so that your child knows that you know you guys have a plan when worry shows up. That's what this looks like. That's what it looks like in therapy, and that's what it looks like in life. That's what we want to do consistently. We'll be right back to continue the conversation. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. So when you're a parent, you're going to have your fair share of big talks with your kids, right? About all sorts of big topics. One of those big talks should involve money. And Greenlight can help with that. Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. It allows you to do instant money transfers. You can get real-time notifications of spending. You can manage chores. You can automate allowance. I know with my kids, we really wanted to help them see the cause and effect, right? If you spend money now, you're not going to have it later. If you earn money now and you save it, maybe you can put it towards some big purchase that you're looking forward to. This is called financial literacy, and it allows kids to build independence, to learn how money works, to make them better savers, better spenders. The Greenlight app also comes with an in-app financial literacy game. It's called Level Up, so that kids can build money confidence through videos, bite-sized challenges, mini games, and more. More than 6 million parents and kids use Greenlight to learn how to make responsible financial choices. So stop putting off the money talk and start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash fluster. That's greenlight.com slash fluster to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash fluster. I am really working on improving my diet by making sure that I get the best quality products, organic foods, and I really want to make sure that I'm not using harsh chemicals in my home. Thrive Market is my go-to for all of my grocery and household essentials. The convenience of getting everything online and then quickly shipped to my doorstep, that is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. I can use their filters to suit my lifestyle needs. So maybe you're looking for organic snacks for your kids, or maybe you're gluten-free. As a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. You will too. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily, always has some of my favorite brands. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. So join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash flusterclucks for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market 
dot com slash flusterclucks. Thrivemarket.com slash flusterclucks. Okay, we're back. The families who are listening to this, if they're working with you in your office mm-hmm. and they are like, let's take the helicopter model and apply it to trying out for the soccer team or whatever. I have a feeling a lot of people would say, well, it's so easy when you walk us through it, but this (laughs) is really hard. That is exactly the case. I hear that all the time. Right. What people say to me all the time is that it makes perfect sense when you say it, Lynn. I feel totally confident that I can do it. We leave here feeling like, all right, we got this. And then in the moment, it all falls apart. Or in the moment, I forget what I'm supposed to say. Or in the moment when they throw up some resistance, I lose my resolve. All of that is totally normal. That's why this takes practice. It is really helpful to have a little written reminder. I am not kidding when I say take out an index card and write down the steps so that you have them in front of you. Have it in front of you. Have reminders. Remember that when worry shows up, your cognitive functioning, your prefrontal cortex zizzes out a little bit. So it is really helpful. It's helpful to give your kids little reminders. So as they're stepping into something new, that they have a little index card in their pocket that just has a little note from you that says, remember, when Stella shows up, this is what you're going to say back to Stella. Remind yourself that you are doing exactly what you need to do, that it's okay for you to feel uncomfortable, right? Just write a little map through it. Because I totally get that when I talk about it, I've been doing this for a long time. I can be like, boom, 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 boom. It is okay for you to have that map, to have that reminder, put it in writing, give yourself a little pep talk. And remember too, that this is about encouragement and patience and tolerance of uncertainty. And you are going to be able to do this little by little but it doesn't mean that you're going to do it perfectly. And it doesn't mean there's not going to be bumps along the way. Yeah. I just like to say, as we're all in back to school season mm-hmm. and we're all thinking about embarking on new or improved, or we're dreading things that are going to come again, listen to the summer series. They're shorter episodes. And I think hearing this multiple times is a really good idea. I agree. Repetition really helps. And I know that some people have been putting up comments in our podcast group that they are listening to it with their children. And I have recommended that. If you're driving in the car, if you guys are doing an errand together, just pop it in. It is okay. And in fact, it's more than okay. It's actually necessary that you hear this more than once. Absolutely. And that you be patient with yourself. And give yourself the space to go back and now binge all seven of these and leave room for new ahas. Mm -hmm. That's right. The other thing that I am very clear about with families is that they can, on purpose, practice with a situation that they know is going to be distressing. They can do that on purpose. And... They can do a, a review or even a reaccounting of a situation that they encountered that was distressing, and then they can go back and do kind of a redo. They can say, okay, so remember when we went to swimming lessons and it didn't go so well? Let's 
think about that situation with the swimming lesson. And now let's think about these puzzle pieces and think about what we learned. And let's talk about how we would do it differently. That's all practice. That's all rehearsal. And the interesting thing about this is that people are very clear in life that you get better at something or more skilled at something by doing it repeatedly. And when it comes to this, sometimes they lose track of that very common and very accepted premise. My husband likes to take one recipe and spend an inordinate amount of time perfecting it such that we can't eat apple crisp anymore. I was about to say, <laughs> <But> <laughs> he really knows how to make apple crisp now. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, but none of us want to eat it. We have the decade of apple crisp. But he over and over and over again just kept practicing it and practicing it. And then he did it with pies. Actually, he can make an incredible pie now. It's the same with this. If you go to swimming lessons and it goes really poorly, you can go back to swimming lessons. You can talk about how to do it differently. And I think people get overwhelmed and intimidated by the emotional response of worry. And then they back up. And that's exactly what worry wants. Remember, worry's all about, no, thank you, I'm out. We're just going to keep stepping in, stepping in, stepping in. Part of what I love about my job, people come in and they may leave here feeling emboldened. They also may leave here feeling totally panicked and overwhelmed but they give it a try. This is about experimenting. This is about stepping in. And when you come back to see me next time, there are going to be some things you're going to be, woohoo, we did that great. And then also, oh my God, you're going to think, how did that go so horribly wrong? And that's what we're just going to keep working on. Being patient with yourself, knowing that this is a process, it's a lifelong process. If we're talking about emotional management, this is a lifelong process. I am going through something as a parent right now that I've never had to go through before. It's never happened before. And I'll tell you, he doesn't listen to the podcast. I've got a, a son with a broken heart, right? I've never had a son with a broken heart. I mean, I've had a disappointed son. I've had a son who's gotten cut from a team. I've had a son who's gotten rejected by a college. I've had a son who's been treated poorly by friends but I've never had a son with a broken heart. I am learning on the job here, people. I sought out expertise. It has been really, really hard for me, but the same skills apply in terms of the things I am telling him are about emotional management, about being able to tolerate not knowing what's going to happen next because there's all this uncertainty in front of him. But it has been brutal. It has been brutal. Parenting never stops, and there will be other emotionally challenging circumstances that come up as your children age. Sure. Uh, there might be grandchildren involved. Right. All sorts of different dynamics. All sorts. It never stops. It never stops. So the goal is for you to give yourself permission. And maybe, you know, as I say, we are a family who, maybe one of the most kind and permissive things you can say to yourself is, we are a family who will continually work on dealing with life's struggles with tolerance and connection and empathy, right? I mean, maybe that's what you think about. And that's a broad goal. And then you begin to think about what are the skills that I want to teach my kids and what do I want to model for them? That's what this is all about. It's interesting. I just got a, a request to contribute to an article about how you help your kids if they want to quit a sport. 
of course, you could imagine, like, I'm like, that's content. What she is going to get from me, this writer for this article, is what are the skills that you can practice in the context of sports? Because very few of your kids are going to play in the NFL or the NBA. I hate to break it to you. But sports gives you an enormous opportunity. What are the skills that you want to teach? And if your child is going to quit the sport, how do you want to talk to them about that? How do you make a decision? How do you know if this is just about being overwhelmed? How do you know if it's a good decision to make? This is about skill building. It's about communication. It's about connection. It's about handling emotions. Worry is one of the most common, prevalent, and powerful emotions that we experience both as parents and just as human beings. Being able to deal with it when it comes up Man, if that's a skill you can give yourself and give your family, you are on the right track. You are giving them something that is so, so helpful. So some of us are back to school and we're still enjoying summer up here in New England. Mm -hmm. We're looking forward to launching season five. And I know the first few episodes, we're really going to talk about school we're going to talk about schoolwork and family attitudes around schoolwork and the anxiety that really kind of festers there. Yeah, that is a petri dish for worry and anxiety. Good old schoolwork. But I'm super excited for fall between our parenting retreat in Orlando and your book coming out in October. I have a book coming out in October? <laughs> yes, you do. Jilin, <laughs> what is it called? It's called The Anxiety Audit. Seven Sneaky Ways That Anxiety Takes Hold and How to Escape Them. Enjoy your last few weeks of summer, and I'll report back on our helicopter ride. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts, everybody. <laughs> so join our Facebook community so you can ask Lynn a question and connect with our listeners. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.